0: Good morning and happy Father's Day. I actually get to preach some of a sermon and not just tell you about a project. <laughs> not just tell you about a project, but we'll get to that later. Um, hey, let me ask you a question Does it seem like the church sometimes has two differing definitions for the days that we use to set aside to honor our parents? Mother's Day. Noun, a day devoted to honoring our moms. Father's Day, noun, a day to beat up men for not doing a better job. (laughs) I don't know why that is. It does seem like the church at times has been guilty of that. Well, Dad, sit back and relax, because today Jeff and I are not going to beat you up. Uh, We do reserve that uh, option for another time, but we're not going to do it today. Um, you know, we want to encourage you. We want to love you. We want to give you some words of hope and uh, some good news. Even if you think that maybe you could do a better job. Maybe particularly if you think you could do a better job. But don't be thrown off by our text this morning. Um, We're going to read from Ephesians chapter 6 in keeping in line with uh, Jeff's a series on Ephesians. Just one verse. Ephesians 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, obviously, the temptation for any preacher is to admonish the fathers of the congregation for exasperating their children. But like I said, I'm not going to do that. Rather, I want to encourage those of you who actually try to live out this principle. You know, I've been in this church for over 15 years now, and I know many of the dads of this congregation, and I know from firsthand experience that many of you dads really really, really want to be a great dad and really go out of your way and even to considerable expense to bring up your children in the training and the admonition of the Lord. I don't want to exasperate my children, and I know that you don't either. Um, You know, we want our children to love God to walk with Jesus, to learn how to make decisions that are right and honorable, I'm not going to beat you up. I commend you. Your task as a dad is a noble one, full of dignity and honor. It's important. And I pray the shower of God's blessing upon you dads today. And as Jeff gets up later to give you some additional words of encouragement, I hope you take them to heart, and I hope you leave feeling blessed today. Now, dads, I am going to talk about exasperating your kids, but I'm not going to talk about the ways that you do that or how you can do a better job. Rather, I'm going to give you some encouraging words on how to handle the fact that sooner or later, and probably sooner rather than later, you are going to exasperate your kids. We all do. Now, as a pastor, honestly, even though I'm a pastor, I cannot begin to remember all the times or the ways that I've exasperated my own children. Let me give you a few examples. You know, I had a recent revelation that I've been telling my kids two contradictory things. ...for years, and I've just realized this. Now, this might shock some of you, but even though I'm a pastor... um, ...my children occasionally fight with one another. I know, I know it's shocking, you know, pastor's kids, but they occasionally do that... ...and they're smiling over there. Now, I know um, that when one child um, antagonizes the other we've tried to teach them the principle, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord, don't repay evil for evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, inevitably, one of them is going to antagonize the other to the point where they need some help because the other is hitting them or poking them or teasing them or you fill in the blank. And so we've tried to tell them Get an adult or someone in authority, like a teacher, to help you instead of taking revenge. Good advice, right? So when they would come to their dad for some help, in wisdom, I would give them some response like this. Don't tattle on your brother. (laughs) Or even better, Work it out yourselves. (laughs) I can't believe that I've been exasperating them for years like this. And you know, honestly, I'm still trying to figure out what the solution to that problem is. You know, that's kind of a general revelation I've had, but there are countless examples that are far more personal. My daughter, Faith, who's eight years old, gave me uh, permission to tell this story. Uh, First, you have to know that the Stephan family... Our big American Idol fans. Now don't send me an email because I'm a pastor and I'm not supposed to watch a show like that. Look, I don't like the name of the show, but I do like the singing competition, and I like the generally good spirit among the contestants who make the final 12. So anyway, we decided to have a family fun night and download from iTunes some of our favorite clean songs from the season and make a family CD. And so we were sitting there, and everybody got to pick a few songs, and Josh picked his songs that he liked, and Faith picked a couple of songs that she liked, and then it was my turn to pick a couple of songs. So now, while I was trying to find, uh, pick my songs, Faith kept interrupting me. Hey, Dad, how about the Melinda Doolittle country song? Hey, Dad, how about the Melinda Doolittle, I'm a W-O-M-A-N song, or however she spelt it? And I kept saying, Faith, you already got to pick your songs. This is a family CD. Now it's Daddy's turn to pick some songs. And she was just insistent. I want to download a Melinda Doolittle song. And I just finally threw up my hands and called her a brat. (laughs) Sent her to her room crying and then went to my own bed, and stared at the ceiling, and stewed. Another wonderful, happy ending to a Stefan family fun night. You've been there. Well, you know, as I was in my bed, I was thinking, why does she have to have a Melinda Doolittle song? That is not even her favorite singer. From the beginning of the season, Jordan Sparks was her favorite singer. Melinda Doolittle is my favorite singer. So I realized she had already got her favorite songs. She wanted her daddy to have her favorite, his favorite songs. What an idiot. You know, I called her to my bed and I asked her if I had figured it out right. And her little heart burst into tears. And I looked her in the eyes and I said, Faith, please forgive me. And she threw her arms around me and she hugged me and she forgave me. I wish that was the worst way I've ever exasperated my kids, but it's not. It's not even close. We're all on the same boat, Dad. But here's the message that I have for you this morning. The good news of the gospel is not that one day you're going to finally live this perfect dad life where you'll never exasperate your kids again. The good news of the gospel is this. Forgiveness and grace work. Dads, listen to me. You're not perfect, and you're never going to be in this life. But fortunately, your relationship with your child is not based on your perfection. It's based on your reflection. Let me say that again. Your relationship with your child is not based on your perfection, but on your reflection. Now, here's what I mean. A reflection is an an image that's an accurate representation of the original. Now, what your children want to know and what your children are going to assess and analyze about you with sickening laser accuracy is whether or not the image that you are reflecting back to them is an accurate representation of the original. So what's the original? The original, in this case, is who you really are inside. That is, a dad who occasionally makes mistakes and is in need of forgiveness and grace just like they are. And fortunately, the relationship you have with your child is not based on your perfection, but on your reflection. Are you reflecting back to them who you really are inside, which is a sinner saved by grace? My dad... Never asked me for forgiveness. Like many men of his generation, he thought that if he asked me to forgive him, that it would somehow undermine his authority and that I would no longer respect him. He was so wrong. Dad, you're sinners, you're imperfect. You have weaknesses. It's an undeniable, indisputable, inalienable, biblical truth. But you don't even need the Bible to prove it to you. Life proves it to you. And if you ever forget, your wife will remind you. <laughs> Asking forgiveness from your children does not undermine Your authority. It establishes it. Because when you, as a Christian dad, ask for forgiveness, you reflect back to your children with words an image that is an accurate representation of the original. A sinner saved by grace. So this is not... ...a message on the five ways... ...or the seven principles... ...for being a better dad... ...because you're not doing enough already. Don't do a single thing... ...based on this sermon. Not one thing. Except this. Tell your children... ...that you love them... ...and let them know... ...that you know... ...that you have failed them at times... ...that you've disappointed... ...and frustrated them at times. And tell them that you're really sorry. And ask their forgiveness. And I promise you, dads, I promise you... ...you will find more acceptance... ...warmth and joy from your children... ...than a thousand trips to Disney World could ever produce... Because by God's magnificent, wonderful, freeing, and joyful grace, your relationship with your child is not based on your perfection, but on your reflection. And children, love and honor your dads. They're just like you, imperfect and in need of grace. Forgiveness and grace... Sufficient for all exasperations and frustrations. As I take a little bit of a turn in my sermon, I want to once again commend and encourage you fathers who have worked so hard to provide for your families, to teach your children how to live in a way that's honorable and right, for guiding them in paths that lead to life, And away from drugs and alcohol and other behaviors that could damage them for life. That's what a dad's for. And you've done it. And I commend you. And I hope from the bottom of my heart that you have a great Father's Day. Now, someone might ask, but how can we as a church celebrate Father's Day in such a way that we not only bring honor to our earthly fathers, but also bring honor to our heavenly Father by bringing transformation in our community in His name? Great question. I am so glad someone asked. In Psalm 68, God promises this, A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. Okay, so God promises to be a father to the fatherless. How does he do that? You know, I don't mean to be disrespectful when I say this, but I haven't seen him descend from heaven in a glory cloud in order to be a father to the fatherless. So how does he do it? Well, the reality is this brothers and sisters, as the body of Christ, we're his hands and feet. We're his words of encouragement. We're the smile of blessing. We're the words of life. We're the providers and the protectors. He has come to dwell within us and to transform our hearts and our minds so that we can be God manifest to the world through the way we live our lives. What I'm saying is we're the body of Christ. We are going to be a father to the fatherless by having God dwell in us and transform us and unify us so we as a church can live out this truth in God's name. So what exactly can we do, Robert, you ask? Another great question. You know, I'm a guy, so I like to solve problems. Now, this morning, in Equipping Center, Gail Picard, the director of True Life Choice, a women's center, a crisis pregnancy center, came to speak with us to show us how, as a church and as Christians, we can, with grace and truth, deal with the reality that in our community, there is a growing number of children without fathers, and without the provision and the protection of a father, many of the mothers are not even sure if they want to keep their babies at all. True Life Choice is a Christian ministry that aims at two noble goals. Save the moms and save the babies. They don't want to just save the babies. They have programs and are designed to really reach out with the love and the compassion of Christ to the moms, the babies, and even the dads. The same message of grace and forgiveness that's so appealing to us as dads is no less appealing to those moms who find themselves in a difficult situation. And Gail and a number of women in our own congregation are playing a key role in lovingly and compassionately counseling girls um, in choices that lead to life. So here's the project. Someone has offered True Life Choice a little house that's one block away from the abortion clinic on Virginia Drive. The bus stop, the Lynx bus stop, is directly in front of the house. And so girls getting off the bus headed to the clinic have to get off in front of this house in order to walk down the street. What they want to do is put a sign, free pregnancy tests, and abortion counseling, which are um, alternatives to abortion, and see if they could draw in some of these women and share with them the alternatives that they have and to maybe save them and their babies. Now, the good news about this is that the house is in pretty good shape. And all it needs is some TLC of its own. The good news is we already have all the money we need to fix up the place, and it's not even going to take that much money. It's going to take some labor. And so if you have some time next weekend and in the following week, come out, especially if you're young and strong, come out and help us to fix up this house. And someone asked me, what do you mean by young? And I said, well, anyone under 80 is good. Okay. So come on out. We have painting projects, we have yard work, and we have roof work, and we can fix up this house and um, really do something special. Now, um, let me finish with this. I'm convinced um, with all my heart that even though it's summer and it's hot, that we can save some babies and that this is no mere um, intellectual exercise for me, both of my children are adopted from mothers who are 15 years old, knew that they had made mistakes, and faced tough choices. I am so, so glad that those moms chose life. Now, how often do you get a chance to save a life? This is an opportunity like that. May God bless you and bless our church as we commit ourselves as a church on Father's Day to be a father to the fatherless, to the glory of our Heavenly Father, whose name is to be praised above all names. Jeff, come on up and give him a final word of encouragement. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Robert. What a tough act to follow, huh? You know, the great thing was, is when Robert and I discussed this, I said, Robert, you have five minutes. <laughs> Not true. And really what we did was we decided who exasperates their children more. And uh, Robert won, <laughs> so he went first. Um, now, he said that par- uh, sometimes pastor's kids argue, listen, I just spent 2,400 miles in a van with my children. <laughs> And Katie and I looked at each other about 1,800 miles and said, should we just leave them here? I mean, (laughs) really, figure it out on your own, you know, just hitchhike, we'll be in the next spot. No, I was kidding, it was great, it's awesome. Has anybody ever had a family dynamics of 2,400 miles in advance? If I'm twitching a little bit still, you know why. I too want to say very few things, but I want to say a few things to your dads. I couldn't let this day pass without encouraging you and first of all say how proud I am of you. Men, we live in a different generation than our parents did. I really believe in a lot of ways uh, more is required of us than was of them. And I think rightfully so. I think in a lot of ways we've shifted our priorities where we realize, men, we can't sit on the sidelines. we got to be a part of parenting. we got to be a part of leading our homes. Uh, we got to be men. And I see so many of you doing just that. And I want to say, praise the Lord, hallelujah, keep up the really good work. Uh, for those of you who are struggling to be a dad, let me tell you, my heart breaks for you. It really does. Uh, just this week as I came here and I, I loved on the, uh, uh, the kids, what a privilege that was, and to thank the volunteers. The one that struck me the most was a gal back in the nurseries who's really trying and would love to be pregnant. And there she sat with our kids, loving them. And my heart broke because I said, that's the gospel. That's it. So some of you, Father's Day is hard, and I know it. For some of you, your, your, your dads just weren't the godly role models that you needed. And some of you today's got a lot of pain. And I want you to know my heart breaks for you. But more importantly, the father' heart breaks for you as well. And oftentimes, we didn't have very good examples. It's hard to rise up and be those examples. But let me tell you, through God's word and the help of one another and the Holy Spirit, we can be the dads that God is calling us to be. To really love. And let me give you just a couple of words of encouragement. It says this the dads, we're not to provoke our children to anger. And Paul goes on to say in Colossians 3 that uh, it's so that they won't become discouraged. Don't provoke them to anger so they won't become discouraged. Let me give you a couple of quick thoughts. Dads, be realistic about your kids. I've coached enough of them to know that sometimes we really have some unbelievably poor expectations of our kids, and we put so much pressure on them. I mean, if they strike out, or if they don't score a goal, or if they're not at the top of their class, if they don't play the trumpet the way you want them to, relax. Listen, each and every one of us parents, we should be their biggest cheerleaders, not their biggest critics. And again, I've coached enough, and I've been a dad enough, to know I've blown it so many times. That i got to tell myself, when I see my kid perform, i got to first say something positive. The world will be your children's critics. Believe me. They'll tell them all the things that they're not over and over and over again. God has placed them in your life to be ridiculously for them in a way that you're their biggest cheerleader. Okay? And sometimes you've got to also realize they're not perfect. They're going to make mistakes. Uh, and don't tell us that they're perfect. They're not. But be their strongest cheerleaders. Listen, God has given you power to empower them, not to embitter them, not to defeat them. And so many times I see us going the wrong way. He says this, bring them up. You know what that really means? Nurture them. Men, God calls us to nurture. Bring them up. Nurture them. Nourish them. Fondly cherish them with your words, with your hands. With your actions, your children should not fear you physically ever. Cherish them. Love them. Nurture them. And it tells us how to do it in this. And listen, in the discipline of the Lord, loving and nurturing our children doesn't mean we don't discipline them. We do. God's word says discipline them in the Lord. They're looking for us to set the parameters. They're looking for us to love them and to tell them between right and wrong. Loving them means disciplining them. Scripture tells us the same thing. God is going to discipline those he calls his own, those he loves, those that are his children. Love and discipline is the way we nourish and cherish them. We set boundaries from them. And it says this, Fathers, we are to nourish them, grow them up, bring them up in the Lord's instruction. Christian education is not An option for us. I didn't say Christian school is not an option. I said Christian education. We highly, highly value our families here. And we highly, highly value being brought up in the fear and admonition of the Lord so much so that we have a, what I believe, a tremendous Christian school. But this school is not to abdicate our responsibility. The responsibility of raising our children and the fear and admonition of the Lord to teach them the right way. It's us. And dad, it starts with us. We can't push it off to mom. And you know what the sad reality is? We just can't teach what we don't know. Thank goodness my kids don't play soccer. Um, For many reasons, it's a communistic sport. We all know that, you know. (laughs) I mean, God gave you hands, use these things, you know, use them. (laughs) But when we started off because of influential peers and the soccer craze community in which we live in, and I know I've offended many of you, I'm sorry, (laughs) but they joined up for soccer and I never forget they signed up for soccer, much to my chagrin, Um, and there wasn't anyone that really wanted to step up and coach, and I'd always want to be around young people. I'd always want to coach, so so I'll do it. And I never forget what it felt like coaching soccer. Even though we were in the lowest of lowest ages, I had no idea what I was doing. And I hated the feeling. I had to read books. I I, I had to ask soccer coaches, tell me what I tell these kids because they've been entrusted to me. That's That's a mandate for us. Listen, Christian education for our kids is not an option, Dad. And it falls on our shoulder first and foremost. And we just can't teach what we don't know. And So we got to be in God's words as students of God's word. We got to be with other men. We need to come to Band of Brothers. We offer it to you. It's not going on in the summer, but every Thursday morning. Every Friday morning, there's a phenomenal Bible study that Pat Morley does called TGIF. There's something that's uh, waving through our community, a two-year men's discipleship program called CLC. How many of you all here, raise your hand if you've been involved in CLC? It's been phenomenal for many. Let me encourage you to do that. There are many ways for you to get trained up to do what God is calling you to do because Christian education of our children is not an option. We've got to raise up warriors that know that God loves them, know that God is ready to forgive them and, and point them to Jesus. And we can't push it off on the school. We can't push it off on our wives. Men, it starts with us. And so we've got to really truly grow uh, together. The greatest way for us to be a better father, the greatest thing we can give you is this, and we're going to close with this, is this. Imitate Jesus. Imitate Jesus. You don't have to be Jesus. You're not. And I love what Robert said because one of the greatest gifts you give your children is to say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? I exasperated him, even on this trip, to tears because of my sinfulness, because of my pride, because of my sharp tongue. You see, I, I can't be Jesus to my kids. They got to know their dad really, really needs Jesus, and I show it to them all the time. But be enough of a man that stands up and says, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I've asked God to forgive me, too. And men, the challenge for us today is, and again, let me come back to where we started. We're so proud of so many of y'all. You're doing a great job. But God is calling us to act like that father in the prodigal son story. And the only way we do it is by imitating Jesus. Ephesians 5.1, be dearly beloved. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. And that is our call. May each of us say, Father, let me dedicate our lives to you. Let me live our lives loving our children well. And for those of you who are granddads, what a great opportunity to love your grandkids. Those of you who yet be uh, uh, dads, you're in training, wives, pray for your, for your husbands. Now, this is a challenge for the church, and what a great opportunity we have. Now, listen, as you leave here, I'm going to call the worship team forward. They're going to come, and we're going to sing, Father, dedicate, let me dedicate. Uh, we're going to say, God, let me dedicate my life to you realizing that you've forgiven me, you've set me free, realizing of who we are in Christ and realizing that God's calling us to make a difference to our own families, first and foremost, but also to our communities. So as you leave here today, listen, don't leave without going by our bridge building table. Get some information. We really need that manpower. What a great, uh, great opportunity for us. Um, Robert, what a great job, man. You were awesome. I mean, I really just had to come up and say amen. So it was, it was awesome. So, Let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you for the greatest earthly joy of being a dad and being a dad four times. And Father, I thank you for... The fact that you show me, through the work of your son, what it means to be a man. And what it means to lead with love and grace and mercy and forgiveness. And Father, I thank you for that love and grace and mercy and forgiveness that I need daily. Leading my own home. And God, I pray for each one of us here. We can't teach what we don't know. So, Father, I pray that because of the love of Christ that you would compel us to truly know Jesus and to know how to love our kids and to be Christ-like in our homes and to lead, to not drive our children to anger, but to nurture them, to instruct them, to discipline them in the way that brings you glory and honor. God, thanks for Robert. Thank you for our brother that just is so good in word and deed loving you. Thank you for the blessing he is to this church. And, God, thank you so much for Judy. Thank you for Josh and for faith. And Lord, this is blessed family that that we have the privilege of watching and seeing you work. And Lord, we do ask your richest blessing upon them. God, I got to pray for those dads that haven't yet become dads that really want to be. And Father, many in this room's hearts are breaking because you haven't given them the gift of a son or a daughter yet. God, Would you please draw near to them and remind them of your sufficiency? Father, I pray for the men and the women who have the pain this morning of abortion. They've they've heard about this exciting project, and yet, as they hear about it, there's just a twinge deep down that hurts really, really badly from a bad decision. God, I thank you for the blood of Christ that is sufficient to cleanse all of our sins. I thank you for the love of a father that nothing can separate us. Nothing can separate us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Father, for those who are wrestling, God, I pray that you would remind them of the cross and the blood of Christ and the empty tomb so that they would be set free. So that, Father, they would know the hope and the joy that comes from being forgiven. And Father, I pray for this upcoming project. God, would you bless it mightily. God, I pray that you'd move our rear ends out of these seats to that table to sign up. And that, God, you would be pleased that we could truly save lives through our hands for your glory. God, what we want to do is say, Father, we want to dedicate. We want to dedicate our lives to you. Father, we want to dedicate our church to you. Father, we want to dedicate our families to you. Because it's, it's to you where we find life, and it's to you where we find meaning, and it's to you where we find joy, and the safest place we can be is in your hands. So hear our hearts sing and fill us with joy as we dedicate what you've given to us back to you for your glory. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please stand.